You're listening to Different, a sermon series about what it means to be a Christian. For more information about Elevate Church, please visit us online at www.elevatechurch.ms. All right, how are we doing, Elevate? We're doing good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited to be here today. Look at the person sitting next to you and tell them you're sorry. Tell them, tell, them, tell them you're sorry. God made you look better than they do, right? But uh, it happened, so you're sorry about that. Hey, if you don't know me, my name is Robert Andrews. I'm one of the pastors here at Elevate Church, and I'm so glad that you are joining us today. I know there's a lot of different places you could be today, but you're here, and so we are thankful. We are grateful. I believe God's got us all here for a reason. And so we're wrapping up a series we've been in now for five weeks called Different, Different. And that word different, it kind of has a negative meaning in in today's society to to a lot a lot of people like how many artsy people we got here today you like to you're you're artistic you like to make crafts you like to make things a couple people here so let's just imagine that you know you find something you want to make and so you spend a whole lot of time uh, making something blood sweat and tears you know you finally get it finished and you show one of your friends you say hey what do you think about this and they look at it and they go it's different like, how do you respond to that? Again, it has that, that, that word, has a, a negative kind of a, 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 a negative association with that word. If, if you overhear somebody describing you to someone else and, and they're like, oh, Robert, yeah, he's really different, you know, uh, you know, you're like, what, what does that even mean? If you're showing someone a picture of your child, right, and, and they look at this picture and they go, He's different. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're like, what? you want to fight? What does that mean that I am different? Again, it has a negative meaning in our society. And so for the majority of people, they spend their entire lives trying to to blend in with everyone around them. We usually find a group of people that we like and we want to be like, and so we do our best, again, just to blend in, to, to look like them, to act like them, to, to be like them. Uh, oftentimes, we don't want to be different. We'll tell people we want to be different, but oftentimes, we don't want to be different because when you are different, that makes you kind of vulnerable to the people around you. It makes you vulnerable to their judgment. It makes you vulnerable to their criticism. And so a lot of times we just go with the flow. We think, I'll just be like everybody else. But what we have said throughout this entire series, again, is that God has called us to be different. And so we've been really looking at some of those differences that God has for us. And one of the verses or one of the scriptures that we've been referring to each and every week is in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. In that verse, uh, the apostle Paul tells us, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Translation, do not be like the world. Don't dress like the world. Don't act like the world. Don't be like the world. Again, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The Bible really is crystal clear when it comes to this subject that we are to be different, not blend in. Jesus, who is the precious Son of God, Jesus, who is the one that you and I are supposed to really model our life after, he said this in Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse 14. He said, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be 
hidden. And so do you know what that really means there when it says that you cannot be hidden? He's saying, hey, hey, don't try to hide who God has created you to be. In verse 15, he says, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone around the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Again, Jesus said, I think they might have got the wrong verse up there. But anyway, Jesus again said, you and I, we are supposed to be different. He says, don't hide that. Don't hide that. Again, put it on display that you and I, because of what Christ has done in our heart and in our life, we are different. And so in this series, again, we've been highlighting some of those differences. And as we wrap up this series today, what I want to talk to you about is how as followers of Christ, we should have a different hope for other people. We should have a different hope for other people. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but Christmas is right around the corner. How many of y'all are excited, right? 85 days, 85 days. Christmas will be here in 85 days. And uh, I love Christmas. I really do. I don't like the decorations and all that other good stuff. But I, I'm going to be honest, I like to get presents. Anybody else? You like to get presents? Some of y'all line up in church. Uh, I know it's better to give than it is to receive, but, but I like to get presents. I really do. Is anybody else? That's just me. Some of y'all lying again, man. If you're sitting by somebody who didn't raise their hand saying they like to get presents, when Christmas comes, you don't get them anything. And when they get mad at you, say, hey, look, if you don't remember on September 30th, 2018, you were in church and you said you didn't like to get presents. So I love you so much, I'm honoring your wishes. They're going to be mad at you, right? Yeah, everybody likes to get presents. Again, don't be lined up in church. But I like to get, I like to get gifts, and so I, I don't know. Uh, just be honest again. But how many of y'all will just be honest and say when you're trying to figure out what you're going to get somebody as a present, that you kind of think about in your mind about what they're going to get you. And so you base what you're going to get them off of what you think they're going to get you. Anybody, come on. Like if they're going to get you a $5 present in your mind, you say $4. That's all I'm spending on you, right? <laughs> Anybody, is that? Are you like that? <laughs> Just me? All right, pray for me. I don't know. Uh, but it happens. What about this? When you think somebody's going to get you like a really nice gift, an expensive gift, like a gift that costs $100, and you're, you get that gift and you're so excited, you're going to have this nice gift. But when you open that gift up, how do you feel if you open that gift up, and again, you're expecting something nice, but when you open it, you find like a candle or a poinsettia blanket or like a pair of socks, you know what I'm saying? Again, you make a mental note. I will remember that next year. Next year, I'm going to re-gift them something that I got this year that I don't like, right? We'll hang on to gifts for an entire year to give to somebody else who gave us a terrible present. Is it? Y'all lying? <laughs> no, y'all lying. Man, that's how a lot of us are. Again, we do stuff like that at Christmas, and we have a good laugh. How many of y'all have ever been to one of those dirty Santa parties? You know what I'm saying? Where the, everybody gets a present, you put it in a bag, you put it in a table, and everybody draws numbers, and you know what I mean? You get the steel gifts and all this. How many of y'all, you know, there's always somebody who gets terrible presents, and everybody's doing their best just to avoid that gift, right? There's some people who pride themselves in being the person who brings the worst present to the, to the game. So there's always somebody who's like, man, oh, Kenny brought that. I don't want anything to do with that one. I don't want to get that one. I want to avoid that one. And so everybody's trying to, to avoid it. But then there's also always somebody who brings the gift that everybody wants, 
right? And so when that gift is open, everybody else is like, oh, I can't wait till it's my turn. I'm stealing it. It's my, that is my gift. So there's sometimes that people bring gifts that we don't want, and there's sometimes that people gifts, bring gifts that we, we do have. And, and, and so, again, uh, when I was thinking about that, I, I was just wondering. I was wondering if your life, and if there aren't times in my life, in all of our lives, when what we give and what we have to offer other people, is it something that people go, oh, I don't, I don't want anything to do with, with what Robert has to offer? I, I don't want anything to do with what he has to offer or, or is because of the way we living, we live our life. Does, does it make others say, hey, that's exactly what I want. I, I want what Robert has. I, I want that. Are, are we living our life like that? Is it, is it something because of the work that Christ has done in our life that people say, you know what, if Christ can do that for Robert, I want Christ to do that for me. See, a lot of times there are people who will look at Christians and they'll say, if that's what a Christian acts like, I don't want anything to do with Christianity. Have you ever heard somebody say something, something like that? Uh, Gandhi once said, I like your Christ, but I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. And Gandhi wasn't alone in his feelings there there are countless people who want nothing to do with christians and the reason why they don't want anything to do with christians is because they have met christians they've met christians i'm serious some of the meanest people i know are people who claim to be followers of christ and so many people who don't know christ they look at christians with judgmental eyes and the reason why they look at christians with judgmental eyes is because they know christians are looking at them the same way see the truth be known is we usually we usually don't want the best for other people the truth be known we we usually we usually look at people again with very judgmental eyes we, we want the best for ourselves and we want others to want the best for us but but we, we don't really feel as if we should want the best for others we've bought into this teaching and this concept that the world has and that is that you've got to look out for number one you got to look out for yourself if you don't take care of yourself nobody's going to take care of you we teach our children that but what i want you to understand is that that type of teaching is not found anywhere in the precious word of god it's not there think about some of the stuff that jesus teaches us think about some of the stuff that the bible teaches us in matthew chapter 5 verses 43 through 44 the the verse jesus says this you have heard it was said love your neighbor and hate your enemy jesus said you've heard that right how many of y'all y'all have heard that we have all heard that and in fact many of us live our lives that way we want to love the people close to us but we hate our enemy our children have heard that that's what they grow up learning but jesus goes on to say this he says but i tell you love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you do you see that jesus is teaching again it's completely different than what this world would would have you to hear it's completely different a completely different way of living your life than than this world would have you live jesus says again be different he says love your enemies because you basically have a different hope for them you want the best for them god's word does not teach you and i to put ourselves first 
In fact, in Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 3, the Bible says this, Do nothing. Everybody say nothing. Say it again. you got to do better. That's right. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. i got to stop there. How many of y'all know somebody who's selfish? How many of y'all say, hey, I am a little... I know I struggle with being selfish in my own life. Like, seriously, I've got this addiction. Uh, I'm really addicted to, to Jolly Ranchers. How many of y'all like Jolly Ranchers? Man, they, I blame somebody right here at our church for my addiction. They're not here this morning. But every time that they would come around, they would have these Jolly Ranchers. And I kind of walk up to them like, hey, you got, you got some Jolly Ranchers? And then we would, we, would, we would pass them secretly so that nobody else would see them, you know, because if somebody knows you got candy, what are they? Oh, let me get some too. And you'll get right out of candy. So anyway, I, I love Jolly Ranchers. And so I went to Sam's Club and I bought one of those big bags of Jolly Ranchers and I left them out on my counter so they would be really easy for me to get to. And so I would go and I would get one, two, maybe 20 of them a day. And so um, I, I started noticing, though, that my bag was disappearing much faster than I was consuming those Jolly Ranchers ranchers and so I was like somebody in my house is betraying me (laughs) somebody in my house is taking my stuff so I hid the jolly ranchers because I'm selfish right I put them in the cabinet and I don't know if your kids are like mine but my kids had this like candy detector you know what I'm saying they just can find it they found my jolly ranchers and so they would go in there and they were taking handfuls of candy this past week man I opened up my cabinet door and I saw that big blue bag of jolly ranchers and I reached in I was excited I reached in the bag to get me a jolly rancher and you know what it was empty it was empty I I, seriously I felt betrayed it's really hard for me to talk about because I'm really upset about it okay but I mean, I, I, I do, I hide candy. I hide ice cream from my kids because I'm, I'm selfish. Y'all might not be like that. Y'all pray for me. I really, I really am. But the Bible says do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Then it says rather in humility value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. Do, do you look out? Just for your own interests? The Bible says don't do that. He says each of you should look out for the interest of others. Again, isn't that completely different than the way this world teaches you and I to live our lives? And it's completely different from the way many people who claim to follow Christ live their life. Again, God's word tells us to be different. Our, our hope, it tells us to hope for the best for others it says that we should want the best for them and I can't help but think that if the world knew that that truly was our desire that we wanted the best for them I can't help but think that they would really say hey I do want what Robert has to offer I do want what Robert has I do I do want that so let me give you three things this morning three things that we need to do if we're really going to prove to people around us that we want the best for them if you keep a notion you want to write them down the first thing is this you and I need to see people as Jesus sees people we need to see people as Jesus sees people so just look at the person sitting next to you look at them some of you are all like I don't know if I really want to do that look at them and now look at the person who's looking at you and say what are you looking at right and that make it right right but seriously think about this what do you see when you look at people What do you see 
when you look at people, if we were to be honest, when we see people again, we, we kind of start judging them in our minds. If you see somebody out and their pants are sagging, booty all hanging out, underwear showing, what, what do you think? And I'm just going to be honest with you. If you're a Christian, pull your pants up. Pull your pants up. I was at McDonald's the other day, and this guy had to bend down to get his wallet out of his back pocket. You know what I'm saying? I was like, oh, what's wrong with that guy? But for real, pull your pants up. For real. But honestly, when you see somebody, who again, who's like that sagging, booty all hanging out, what do you think? A lot of us say, thug. Anybody say that? Right? Now, maybe, maybe that's what they are. But I wonder, I wonder what Jesus sees. I wonder what Jesus sees when he sees that individual. Does Jesus see that individual as a thug or does Jesus see something else? Does Jesus see that individual as somebody who should be avoided or does Jesus see that as an opportunity to love someone who needs it? When you see people, do you just see what they are doing? Do you just see how they are acting? Do you just see who they are hanging out or do you see people the way Jesus sees them? In Mark chapter 5, there's this story about this woman who had an issue of blood. She had an issue of blood for 12 years. Now, if you don't know what that means, in this particular time, during this particular society, for her to have an issue of blood meant that she was unclean. For 12 years, she was unclean. And what that means is she was basically an outcast in society. Nobody was able to get around her. She was never invited to any of the parties. Because if you touched something that she had touched, you yourself were considered unclean. So if you saw this woman walking down the road as you were walking down the road, and maybe you were walking with your family and with your kids, you would grab them and pull them closer to you so that they did not have any kind of contact with this lady. And so she's been an outcast for 12 years, and she hears that Jesus is in town. And so she disguises herself. She disguises herself because she thinks, if I can just touch Jesus, I'll be healed. If I can just touch him, things will be better in my life. And so she disguises herself. And again, and she touches his shirt. She touches his cloak. And when she touches his cloak, Jesus stops. And Jesus says, who touched me? And the disciples are thinking, man, Jesus, that's a real dumb question. We're in a crowd of people. There are all sorts of people who have touched you. And Jesus says, no, no, no. Somebody touched me. And when they touched me, Healing power went out from me. And so this woman who was unclean, this woman, again, who had been an outcast for so long, she realizes she's been found out. And so she falls at Jesus' feet, and she says, Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm sorry it was me. And I can't help but people, I can't help but think that people in the crowd that day, when they realized who it was, that it was this woman, they might have bumped up against this woman, that they jumped back in shock. They, they couldn't believe it. What is she doing here? Again, they looked at her with judgmental eyes because, again, for the past 12 years, they had all avoided her. But Jesus uses some interesting words when he's, when he's talking to this lady. I want you to see it. Mark chapter 5, verse 34, the Bible says, He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. What did Jesus call her? daughter a daughter now i don't know about you guys but i i've got two daughters i've got two daughters and when i look at my little girls I, it does something to my soul it does something to my heart i 
I look at my kids, I look at my kids with love. I look at my kids and I want the best for my kids. Any parents, are you, are you like that? You want the best for your kids? When you see them, you just can't help but smile. You look at them with love. Jesus looks at this woman and he calls her daughter. Jesus saw this woman completely different than everyone around her saw her. Jesus saw this woman completely different than perhaps she even saw herself. See, she was still someone who had value and still someone who was loved very much. And and so when people see you, when they see you looking at them, do they see you looking at them the same way Jesus looked at this woman? Because Jesus also says in Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 36, the Bible tells us this. It says that Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus, again, looked at people with love. And he looked at people with compassion. Do you see people that way? Is that how you look at others? Do you see them like sheep without a shepherd? See, in Acts chapter 8, there's an amazing story. There's an amazing story uh, about this disciple by the name of Philip, one of of Jesus' disciples, and that's really where we're going to be for the rest of our time together this morning if you want to turn there. But, But I want you to see this amazing thing. Philip sees an Ethiopian. He sees an Ethiopian who is leaving Jerusalem, and he's heading back to Ethiopia. Now, if you just hear that, oh, he's leaving Jerusalem and going back to Ethiopia, you might not really know what's going on there, but how many of y'all know exactly how far uh, Jerusalem and Ethiopia are apart? Anybody know? It's not like driving to Jackson uh, from, from Vicksburg. Uh, there, this, is a, this is a distance of over 1,600 miles. 1,600 miles. So Philip sees somebody who in his mind is from the other side of the world. Philip sees somebody in his mind who it it would just be easy not to even care about, not to even even think much about, hey, I'll never see that guy again. Why should I care about him? But Philip goes to this guy. Philip goes to this guy. He sees this man and he goes to him. And the reason why he does it is because Philip sees this individual the way that God sees this individual. God cares for this man, and so Philip in turn says, you know what, it's my job to care for this man. Our prayer really ought to be that we see people the way that God sees them. We see people the way that God sees them. Again, the next thing that I want you to see if we're really going to show people we want the best for them is not only do we need to see them the way Jesus sees them, but we need to listen for opportunities. We need to listen for opportunities. See, a lot of us have a problem listening. How many of y'all know somebody's got a problem who's listening? Some of y'all in here today and you're like, well, we have, oh, I don't know, I'm not listening. So we all have a problem a lot of times with listening. But you got to see this story. In Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 26, the Bible says this, now an angel of the Lord, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now this, again, It's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing uh, to me because that verse says that an angel of the Lord, an angel of the Lord 
spoke right here to Philip. How many of y'all know it would be awesome if an angel of the Lord spoke to you, man? If you're like, if an angel of the Lord spoke to me, that'd be awesome. I would do what he is telling me to do. So this angel speaks to him, and in verse 27 of Acts chapter 8, the Bible says this, so he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. So again, picture this, an angel of the Lord appears and tells Philip where to go. That'd that'd be amazing. Not only does an angel of the Lord appear, but then the spirit of the Lord tells tells Philip, hey, you need to go to this chariot. Again, How many of y'all, if an angel, if the Spirit, if God himself told you to do something, you say, man, I would do it? You raise your hand. Come y'all out. We we raise our hand, but you know what? We don't really mean that. We don't often mean that. Because what you need to understand is that God himself has already clearly told us many things that we're supposed to do, and we just don't do it. In God's holy word, he tells us again, love your enemies. But a lot of us say, I ain't doing that. Loving your enemies, though, is an opportunity. It's an opportunity to point others back to the goodness and faithfulness of God. He says, love your enemies. Something else God tells us to do is to serve others. And so many of us say, you know what, I'm just just not going to do it. Yeah, I'm not doing that. But serving others is an opportunity, again, for us to say that we don't think we're better than other individuals because of what Christ has done in our heart and in our life. We understand that serving others is a way to show others they are loved and cherished by the creator of all, by God himself. So we say, you know what, I'll do it. But still, sometimes we're like, not doing it, not doing it. Something else God tells us to do very clearly. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I've commanded you. And Jesus says, hey, I'm with you always. We know God wants us to do that. But a lot of us just say, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. We ignore the command of God. Instead of understanding that where we work is an opportunity for us to be faithful to God. Instead of understanding where we go to school is an opportunity for us to be faithful to God. Instead of understanding where we live, where we shop, where we do all things, it's just an opportunity for us to serve God. See, we tell God no all the time. We tell God no all the time. And we have all sorts of excuses as to why we can't do what God is calling us to do. But Philip didn't do that. Philip did not do that. An angel of the Lord told Philip to go, and he he didn't say, well, I'll go tomorrow. Let me finish what I'm doing here. He didn't say, I'll take care of that later. No, an angel of the Lord told Philip to go, and he listened. He was listening for opportunities. What about you? What about me? Are we listening for the opportunities to really minister and be who it is that God has called us to be because when it comes to sharing Christ and influencing others for God's kingdom there are opportunities all around us all around us 
Each and every day we encounter people, again, who need to be touched with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We encounter people who need to know that we honestly care for them and we honestly want the best for them. But oftentimes, oftentimes we don't do it. But again, God's called us to be different. So we see people as Jesus sees people. We, we, we listen for opportunities. And the third thing that I want you to see this morning is that we respond when we are prompted. We respond when prompted. See, see I want you to see this. Philip, Philip, Philip says, an angel of the Lord tells to Philip, I want you to go south. And so Philip says, okay, I'll do it. Then the Spirit of God tells Philip, I, I want you to go to this chariot, right? And so Philip says, okay, I'll do it. Look at verse 30. The Bible says, then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. He said, do you understand what you are reading, Philip asked. So you see that? So, so Philip responds again when he is prompted and he runs up to this chariot. I don't know how fast chariots were going. How many of y'all can run fast, period? Not me, I can't run. I'll trip over my feet. But Philip runs up to this, this chariot. And to me, this, this is amazing. To me, this, this is wild, man. This gets me excited right here that he's wanting to do that. Because, because long before there was something known as the Kiki Challenge, long before Drake had his song about Kiki, do you love me? I mean, there was, there was this guy named Philip, and he embraced the Ethiopian Challenge. You know what I mean? He ran up, Ethi, do you know who is the one who died on the cross to save you? from your sins and make you brand new because he really, really wants to forgive you. I mean, that's what was happening. And so that Ethiopian was like, what? That boy got bars. He says, Philip, jump up in my cab, man. Jump up in my chariot. And they're sitting there talking. They're talking. And he says, man, tell me more about this. So that's what Philip does. Philip tells him more about Jesus. Philip tells him all about Jesus. This man comes to know Christ, and he stops on the side of the road and is baptized. It's amazing. That's what happens. This Ethiopian understood from interacting again with Philip, this man really does want the best for me. This man wants the best for me. See, folks, do people really know that that's what you want for them? My hope, my hope honestly for all people is that they come to know Christ. It is. That they come to know the one who gave his life for them. And so we don't look at people with judgmental eyes or look at people thinking, what can I get from that individual? We see people and we say that person is a son or daughter of God Most High. They need the Father. And so God has given me life. He's given me life to introduce them to him. He's placed them in my life as an opportunity to serve them and witness to them. See, I'm wrapping up. Almost done. But my goal, my goal as a church, our goal as a church, and you see it on the walls out there, it says we exist to reach people far from Christ and far from His church. Well, that's not just a catchy slogan. It's not just a catchy slogan for our organization. It's something 
that the people who make up this organization, it's something that the people who make up this body of believers needs to embrace. Do we really want the best for people? Is our hope for them to come to know Christ as their personal Savior? Because I I saw a very sad statistic this past week that was put out by the George Barna Research Group. Very sad, very sad. And this statistic said that 95% of people who claim to be followers of Christ never lead somebody to Jesus. 95%. Folks, that's sad. Because I believe that hell is real. I believe hell is real. It's a place of torment. It's a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's a place of darkness. It's a place that none of us should want anyone to ever go to. It's a terrible place. Yet 95% of people who claim to know Christ, they never lead somebody away from that place. I don't want that to be said of you. So today I want you to say, you know what? I'm going to be different. Because Jesus also shares some pretty troubling words with us in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. I want you to see this. He says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Do you know today, do you know today that it's God's will for you to reach people with the gospel. I hope so. His will is for you to reach those individuals around you who desperately need him. He wants you to have a different hope for the people around you, to show them that there is a better way, that there is a better place, that there is a different path. And so have you embraced this calling to be different? Are we truly different. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't know where you're at in your spiritual walk. I know we're all in different places. But I wonder today if there's some Christians here who know that they need to do a better job spreading the gospel that they need to do a better job living their life in a way that shows the people around them that they truly do want what's best for them. If that's you and you'd say, Pastor, pray for me as I, as I really embrace this call to share Christ, I'm going to ask you to just raise your hand so that I can pray for you. Father, thank you for so many hands, so many hands. And Father, I pray that you would help them to understand that you have a calling on their life. You've got a calling on all of us to be different, to truly love others the way that you love us. Help me, Father, to embrace that. As we continue to pray, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. But I wonder today if you're here and you don't know Jesus. Maybe you've felt the stares of judgment from people who claim to know Christ. And I want you to know today that Jesus loves you. And I apologize to you for his church not looking at you with love and compassion the way that you deserve, the way that he would look at you. But if you'd say today, I don't know Christ, and I want to come to know him. Today, I want to be saved because I want to 
I, I, I don't, I don't want to go to this place of torment. If that's you, you know you need to be saved. I'm going to ask it right where you are. You pray this prayer. Father, today save me from all of my sins. Save me from myself. I confess you as Lord. I confess you as Savior. And I pray, Father, that you would mold me into a new creation where the old is gone and the new has come. May others know I'm yours because your Holy Spirit lives in me. Again, we're continuing to pray, but I wonder today, if you prayed to receive Christ, you said, you know what, today I want to be saved, I'm going to ask you to do something bold and just lift your hand right where you are. Amen. One, two, three, four, five. Praise God. Praise God. God is good. We can celebrate new life. We can celebrate what God is doing right here at Elevate Church in Vicksburg, Mississippi. Father, we are thankful for your grace. We're thankful for your goodness. And I pray, Father, that the world would know we are yours because we are different. Not in a way that's different just to be different, but in a way that's different in the way that you want us to be. Father, in the way that your word tells us to be. So bless us now, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.